Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we want to walk through this journey with you. If you need help or if you need prayer of any kind, you can text the keyword, I need help to 31996. Or if you give your life to the Lord, we would love to know. You can text the keyword, I said yes, to that same number, 31996. Someone from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message. You guys are so awesome. Welcome everybody who is online as well. We have a studio audience here still, and uh, so many many of you watching us online. I want to encourage you to grab your your books, your 37 days. If you haven't had a chance to pick up a 37 days, they are on the counter outside on the, on the Connect desk, and I'm making a special reference to it today because I, I honestly, when I wrote this, I honestly started to make the whole thing about the life of Daniel because it is just so current and so now, and what I'm gonna bring to you this morning is about Daniel, but listen, and some of you are feeling guilt like, oh, I forgot, and I hadn't even been keeping up. Okay, scrap it. Forgetting those things which are behind, all right? Amen. Start today because, it, look, if you were only going to do one week of 37 days, this is the one. This is the one. This is every single devotional this week is strong and it's very current. Uh, I would encourage you to read the book of Daniel. It's a fairly short read. Uh, the first six chapters are history, easy read. The second are rough uh, and a little, they're more prophetic, so they're a little more difficult. Can't, un, can't help you with it just, just yet, <laughs> but uh, you're the first six you're going to just love. Uh, you're going to love the last ones too, but you'll just be a little confused because it's a lot of imagery. Nonetheless, read through that. It's very, very current. Uh, secondly, again, I know uh, uh, it's been announced, but for all of you that have never uh, had a water baptism or, uh, I'd say I've been baptized three times at least. I think maybe more than that. I think my mother was uh, trying to get me saved early. She was dunking me every chance she had. Uh, but uh, a lot of t- so here's here's what it is. The word baptizo it's, it's it refers to three different things that happen in our life. It actually in the original language didn't have anything to do with water. It means to be fully uh, uh, fully submerged, fully submerged. Water baptism is just one of them. The first one is to be fully submerged in Jesus. This is when you get saved. To be baptized into Jesus means this is the day you you gave your life to Christ. And in the scripture, the Bible talks about being baptized into Jesus. It doesn't mean your baptism in water saves you. It means you got, this is when you said, I'm all in. I'm fully submerged in Jesus. I'm whole. If you ever raised your hand and called him Lord, when you call him Lord, that means I'm fully surrendered. Everybody with me? If you've done that, you need to do baptism number two, which is water baptism. And Jesus, his first commandment to us, all of us, First commandment, if you meant what you said when you called me Lord, then do what I say. This is where our will in some ways gets submitted, and this is when we determine I'm fully committed to being a disciple. In other words, my eternity's set, but I'm gonna live for you while I'm on this earth. Water baptism is your coming out party. It's where you're telling all the earth, in case anybody's wondering, I'm with Jesus. You'll hear why that's important even in this message. The third baptism is a baptism in the Holy Spirit of fully, uh, be fully submerged in the person and power of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a one-time event. This is a lifestyle, continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you have never been baptized or you, you, I talked to you last week, I believe there's been a lot of folks that live for Jesus at about 85%. 
you're keeping about 15% to yourself. And we've lost the, the, uh, not just the concept, the reality of Jesus is Lord. And a salvation means you've said, I'm all in. So if you've been withholding or you've drifted, I would encourage you to consider as an act of just declaring to God, just as a reminder to me and you, Lord Jesus, I'm all in. You may wanna sign up for, for baptisms next week. This will be during our second service. And we, while we're worshiping, these are some of the most powerful worship services in, in second service we ever have. Because folks will be getting baptized while we worship, and sometimes the roof catches on fire. I mean, it gets, it gets crazy in here. So uh, we're excited about that. All right. Uh, today, we start uh, to talk about this week's set of devotionals, and it's out of the book of Daniel. And so to do it, I'm going to actually just read out of Jeremiah. What is that? Jeremiah, what does that have to do with Daniel? Everything. Because Jeremiah was the prophet, uh, in, if you will, on duty while Israel was in Babylon, while they were in captivity. This is where the book of Daniel is written. Daniel is taken into captivity. Again, a hundred and some odd years earlier, Isaiah was prophesying, Israel, if y'all don't turn around, Babylon's going to come and put a knot on your head. They are going to take you captive if you don't turn, and so is Syria. And both of those things happen. And prophets after prophet after prophet was saying, Israel, if you'll turn, he could change his mind. And what they had gotten into is just a routine of rituals uh, that had nothing really to do with a relationship with the living God. And uh, they were going through a bunch of just, just things. So uh, wh why does any of this matter today, Pastor Randy? <laughs> this is unbelievable. That's why I, I, should have, I, I probably should have written the whole thing on Daniel. Daniel is the most, to me, maybe the most current Old Testament book for where we're standing this very moment, this very moment. And here's why. Uh, it has to do with uh, when, when Daniel was taken captive, he was taken by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar uh, is from Babylon, and God had already spoken that Babylon was going to be the dominant city, and that Nebuchadnezzar, he calls Nebuchadnezzar my servant. I'm putting him in charge. This, this owl guy, I, I say owl guy, eye gouging out, mean, kill your children in front of you, horrible, despicable, polytheistic, don't like God, hate the Jews, Neba stinking Knezer, that Nebuchadnezzar. <clears throat> Pastor, what did you just say? Did you say the prophet said my servant? Totally, 100%. The government was given over? Absolutely. And this was God's will? And he was okay with it? Read it. It gets a tad uncomfortable. The reason this is so important right now, and this is why this is, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit excited about this, but the thing you're hoping I say, you're gonna be a little disappointed. The today's message is rise, rise, see the bigger picture. God's plan and ours are, are hardly ever the same. We pray for ours, and we should, that's just what we do. Trust me, if he's not answering your prayers, it's because his is better. It's bigger. He was taking them to Babylon, taking uh, Israel into Babylon for 70 years for several reasons. One was to wipe out a generation that he just, he just needed to get some, some bad religion just wiped out. And instead of just stomping on them, he let Nebuchadnezzar stomp on a bunch of them. And the rest of them, he just let them die out while he stirred again the hunger in the Nehemiahs and the Ezra's and all of those to go back and say, we want to live for God. 
And we don't want to be under Nebuchadnezzar anymore. And uh, Daniel is taken captive as a teenager by Babylon. So here's why this is so current. Uh, if you'll remember back in August, September, we went through a study of the book of Revelation and we talked a lot about Babylon. Babylon here is an actual city. In the, in the last of days, the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ, but it also tells us kind of how, how this thing is gonna get wrapped up, how the world is gonna get wrapped up. And it's hard to imagine. Well, there's a, a particular system, a world system called Babylon that is spoken of much in scripture. And we see how Babylon is going to fall, the world system of Babylon. Now, it may be, it's modern day Iraq. And some people would teach it that Iraq is gonna be the world dominant power. I don't know, it doesn't matter. The world system will be a Babylonian system and it'll have certain traits in it. Now, here's, here's what I've always struggled with in the scripture. How can the world move toward a one world government, a world, one world money system, and an antichrist, the scripture talks much about a spirit of antichrist, anti-Jesus. How can that happen when America is the strongest nation in the world, the superpower, and we are anything but what I see in scripture? My thought, everybody tracking with me? I'm kind of excited, so you, you probably want to understand half of what I'm saying because I'm, I'm jumping. But here's the deal. I always thought, how can an antichrist come to power when America's in power? We, we are anti all of that, and we're the strongest guys on the, on, the, on the block. And my thought used to be Jesus Christ is going to return and take up so many Americans that we'll be rendered just powerless by all the talent and strength and stuff that leaves America. And that worked for me teaching in my young ministry days. It's not the case. Here's what the scripture teaches. It teaches that Babylon is going to become the world dominant power, but not like in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, but, but, but it's in here so we can learn today. Babylon is a world system that captures the hearts. It's a culture. It's a set of values that replace other values. And its power is not in uh, where, the, where it comes from. It's in the amount of people that come into agreement with those values. The America that I grew up in does not exist. The America that I used to think would absolutely never allow a one world money system or an antichrist, that, that America wouldn't have. But it's not being removed by the rapture of the church. It's being removed because Babylon has besieged it, the spirit of Babylon. How do we know that? All right, when you read Daniel this week, and you're gonna have to do some work this weekend because I, I, I need about eight Sundays to get out of me what's in me about this. So, but let's just, very quick, Babylon. Babylon had a certain set of values. One, it was polytheistic, meaning they served many, many gods. And the problem with bringing in a bunch of Jews who were, who were moni, monotheistic, they thought, they thought and believed God is the only God. Well, so here's, here's the spirit in the heart of Babylon. Babylon says this, we don't care what gods you worship, worship whatever God you want to, just don't exalt your God above any of the other ones because that would be intolerant. That would be exclusive. Here, listen. When Babylon moves in, you can tell because the spirit of Antichrist begins to move in because here's the problem with you and me. We are not polytheistic. Your truth is not your truth and my truth is not my truth. You don't have truth. 
Truth exists outside of us and you agree or disagree. But there is no your truth, my truth. You don't worship any God because there are no other gods except for one. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happened when, when Daniel and the children of Israel brought into the, 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 the place of, of uh, Babylon, they had gods everywhere. And the challenge begins, see, here's the problem. In a Babylonian system, if somebody like Christians say, hey, no, there isn't a bunch of gods, there's one. And he can whip all y'alls on the same day with one arm behind his back, with both hands behind his back. Our God can whip your God because you don't have one. It's in your mind. All of these other gods, gang, the nation I was born into still held to Judeo-Christian value. Not everybody was saved, but we believed that God was God. We believed Jesus was the one and only way to him and that the Bible was a set of moral foundations that we could build on. Again, you could be all kinds of different versions of that, but nonetheless, those, those, those values were here. Well, let me ask you, have we been besieged by Babylon? Can you see why there's so much antichrist? Here's the deal. You can believe what you want to, but, but listen, if you say Jesus is the only way, you're, you're not being inclusive, and you've, you've committed the sin. The greatest sin in Babylon is to be intolerant of other people. You're intolerant. Are you tracking with me? I want you to know this. Check box number one. Babylon has, has taken over. Box number two, Babylon, when they came in, Nebuchadnezzar made several trips. His first trip, he took the, the top 10,000. This is the academics, the professors, the college professors. This is all of what's on the west and the east coast. He took all the, the, the artists, all your musicians, all your movie makers, all the people who, he took all the media. He took all the movers and shakers. He took the professionals and the brilliant and the beautiful. He, took, he only took 10,000 on the first trip, and it's brilliant when you think about it, but you gotta remember, this isn't Nebuchadnezzar, this is the devil himself, this is Satan, and we're watching a scheme, because here's what he knew. If I get the academics, and I get the movers and shakers, I get the influencers, when I go back and get the rest of Israel, there'll be a laydown, because I'll change the way they think, I'll influence the way they think, I'll, I'll change them. And here's how I will change them. I will impose the identity of Babylon and I will remove their God-given identity. We know that when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which was not their, their given names, they came into Babylon with God-given names that, that represented a glory to God. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar renamed them by the names of the gods of Babylon because he was trying to impress a different identity upon them. We are watching that happen, and we know right now as we sit here, the media, the movers and shakers, the professionals, and academia is besieged and controlled by the spirit and system of Babylon. Can you see that? Yes. That has absolutely happened to our nation. We are coming in line with the rest of the planet by a, by a design of the enemy, and without one shot being fired, we're being taken because we're giving in to a set of values. Babylon, when they came in, they took the young men captive and they castrated them, made them eunuchs. Daniel and his friends were quite likely eunuchs. They never married. And it was to keep them, it was to, if you will, create, it was to take the fight out of men and it was to create sexual identity confusion. New brands were put on them. They didn't sound like ours, but ours sound like this. Homosexual, bisexual, transgender, 
pan, uh, pansexual, these different things. And b- by the way, this is not in any way a slight on anybody who struggles in any of those areas. Nothing but compassion. The same blood of Jesus that washes away my sin does yours. Yes. Sin is sin is sin is sin is sin. But I'm talking about this branding, this heavy identifying with something other than the God-given identity that God's given you. If I had time and I, I, I gotta take time. Sometimes I'm just, anyway. Great scripture about how you've been given an identity and the scripture says this. God has given you a name. He's talking to the eunuchs and I believe this is Isaiah 56. He's speaking to the eunuchs who are not allowed in the temple and he says, I've given you a name and it's a better name even than sons and daughters. You're identifying with me even stronger than with sons and daughters. When you gave your life to Christ, you are a son and daughter. That's the best metaphor we have. You are more than that in how you're identified in him. And right now, the spirit of Babylon is here trying to get you to identify in every other way. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear something. Some of your children are in struggles with their identity, and you need to know this. The identity that God has spoken over them, it will stand the test. It'll stand the test. Ultimately, that's how God sees them. Stand your ground. Believe God for your friends, your sons, your daughters. Believe God for them, all right? I could go on. But you can start to see how the spirit of Babylon has taken over this nation, and it rules by, uh, really by intimidation. Can you see that? Yes. By intimidation. Yes. And we see in our leaders a complete ineptness uh, as far as any real strength, but it's all threats. I, I, you know, we, our law, I, I'm trying, I don't want to get into all that. I'm so sick of it. But I know it's so much what's on our minds right now. So much what's on our minds. And I, want, I have good news. This week, now, I, you're wanting me to say the Lord's told us that everything's going to change and there's going to be a Holy Ghost revival in the White House and in the Senate and in the House, and they're all going to get saved and they're going to bow down and declare him as Lord. Not even close. Not even close. Yeah, but isn't President Trump, isn't he supposed to be in there? And then there's the the National Guard's going to take over and wipe everything out and cut the TVs off. No. I don't know. I don't know, actually. I don't know what's happening in the next three days. But here's, here's the truth. Now, do I care at a level? Yes. Do I care as it compares to the plan of God? Not a iota. Because right now, it's not so much about being American. It's certainly not about being a Republican or a Democrat. Here's the key question. Are you, a, are you in the kingdom of God? Because it is the kingdom of God that you need to be focused on. Because it's not going to get easier. You need to hear me. It's not going to get easier. So, Israel's been taken captive. I want to read and just throw out a couple of things. And here's the deal. Get in your books this week. I cannot cover what all needs to be covered. Get in your books this week. Okay. It's all about Daniel. I want to read out of the book of Jeremiah. He's the prophet on on duty while Israel's being taken away. And Israel's going, how could God? We're the people of God. We're the church. Why would God have us taken this way? This can't be happening. And all the while, God is saying, I have chosen Nebuchadnezzar for this time. I'll put a knot on his head and I'll, I'll bury Babylon. But I have got a plan And though you're confused right now and can't see, how could this be? How could President Trump not be? How could this be happening? Relax. God's got a bigger plan and a bigger picture. And it may not be comfortable. So here we go. 
All right, now look, I know some of you are going to take me, just for what I just said, I'm off your Christmas list. Uh, just, just what, look, who, I, I, listen, I want you to know, if President Trump becomes the president, our job is no less a problem. Uh, Babylon is no less taken over. And he's, he's kind of helped us a little himself now, and that's all I'm going to say because I know some of you will shoot at me. Hallelujah. My Savior is Jesus, him and him alone. All right, so this is Jeremiah, verse 20, uh, uh, chapter 28, and I'm going to start with verse 2. Let me tell you what's happening. A guy by the name of Hananiah is prophesying, okay? He's prophesying, and he's saying, here's what God has said. Now, stay with me. Everybody, everybody with me? Yeah. Lean in, because this is going to get weird for a second. All right, here's what he says. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. I will remove the yoke of the king of Babylon from your necks. Within two years, I will bring back all the temple treasures um, the king Nebuch that King Nebuchadnezzar carried off to Babylon. I will bring back Jehoiakim, uh, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all other captives. In other words, I'll bring back the president you want and all the other captives who were taken to Babylon. I will surely break the yoke of the king of Babylon uh, that Babylon has put on your necks, I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, here's this prophet. He's standing up, and he's firing fastballs, and he's saying, not 70 years, two years, and God's mad at Nebuchadnezzar, and you're going to get the president that got sent away. That's just what God prophesied. Check this. We continue. Jeremiah stands up and responds to Hananiah as they stood in front of all the priests and people at the temple, and he said, Amen. May the prophecies come true. Now, you'd have to look at this back in original language and look at several translations. But he's not saying amen as I agree. He's being sarcastic. He's being sarcastic. <laughs> amen. May the prophecies come true. I hope the Lord does everything you say. I hope he will bring back them from Babylon. And gang, here's the deal. He really was prophesying what everyone hoped this is the only way God can work. I so hope it works out this way. How can it not be God? He's prophesying the hopes of people. Stay with me. I hope the Lord does everything you say. I hope he will bring back from Babylon the treasures of the temple and all the captives. But listen now to the solemn words I speak to you in the presence of all these people. The ancient prophets who preceded you and me spoke against many nations, always warning of war, disaster, and disease. So a prophet who predicts peace must, be, uh, must show that he is right. Only when his predictions come true can we know that it's really from God. Now, all he's saying is this. Look, let's wait and see if what you're saying comes true, because that's how you know if somebody got it right, right? Well, what I'm not reading is this. The rest of 28 says this, God said, Hananiah, you have not spoken by me and you're going to die. And within two months, Hananiah got to meet the God he was representing. In other words, wrong. Dang it. Ah, sounded so good. I got so many amens when I said it. I got so many Twitter followers when I said it. Ah. Oh. Point number one, Israel and the church are comfort-motivated toward God. We're comfort-motivated. So, and again, I want you to know, this message is get the bigger picture. 
We are 24-7 news cycle type people. We live in this moment. Some of you aren't gonna get through this message before you check your Fox News feed there to go, did something happen? We're just addicted. I want you to know, God, if he did sleep, he would sleep just fine not knowing what's happening right now. He's got an overall big picture. And as far as your comfort and my comfort, it's not the highest, and this is gonna be a shocker to you. Put your coffee down so you don't spill this. Our comfort is not God's highest priority. Jesus didn't die to, I mean, nowhere can you find it in Scripture, to make your life convenient and comfortable. We've spent the last 50 years in this nation, and it's a great nation. It was built right. It was built by God and on godly principles. Babylon, the, the system of Babylon has come in so that it'll fit in with the rest of the world. And if you want to look at, at how America, what, where's America, you don't see it in Scripture. Got a couple of places you could kind of you know, do a little dance and make it work. But the bottom line is we don't have any power to resist what's coming upon this planet. How is that going to happen? It's because we are complicit with the spirit of Babylon. And you, O oh church, are becoming further and further to the fringes and if you think the, the control of the media, if you think that, that, that the respect for the Constitution is going to protect freedom of speech, if they threw the Bible out, how much quicker do you think they're going to throw the Constitution out? The First Amendment's not going to, keep, going to keep you and me safe to keep speaking the truth because it's, it, it's the biggest sin in all of Babylon. All right, let me get back to my point. My point is this. For 50 years, we've brought people to Jesus with a conversation that says something like this. Are you lonely? Are you poor? Do you feel bad? Do you not like you? Come to Jesus, and he'll fix all of that. He's going to make your life wonderful. He's going to make you wealthy. You're going to like you. People are going to like you. It's going to be fantastic. Man, you put that altar call out there and people are like, I don't like me. I've never, my mother didn't like me. And down the aisle we come and hoping. And gang, here's the deal. You can find a lot of scripture and it's true. God does comfort. He does heal. Man, there's all kinds of things. But when you start backing up to figure out, wait a minute, what did God invent the church for? In fact, let's, let's just think about it. Jesus said, I'm building a new church and the one that I build, trust me, See, he says this, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yeah. Why do we even worry about that? Because we're going to be all comfortable and we're going to be wealthy and things are going to go well for us. I mean, no, gates of hell means this, the concentrated forces of Satan against the church that Jesus built, because he said, I'm building it on this rock, the rock of a revelation of Jesus Christ, and the people who gather around those values, even if all of Babylon and Babylon's and all of hell is released toward it, it'll still be standing when the bullets stop flying. Nothing about the, the church that I build, everybody's going to be happy and everything's going to go well. We are so comfort-driven that when we start to pray and even when we start to prophesy and say, this is what God wants to do, it's out of a desire. Several times you read in Jeremiah 28 where it says, I hope, I hope, I hope, hope is good, but what you're hoping for doesn't necessarily equate to what God is going to do. Hope, I mean, we should hope. That's where faith comes from, hope, 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 hope. But sometimes what we're hoping for is beneath the plan of God, God has a bigger plan. Yeah. 
Here's what was happening in Israel. This prophet Hananiah, probably a good guy, well-intended. And by the way, if you back up to 27 and 26, and 20, if you just read through Jeremiah starting at about 25, prophet after prophet, some will say, man, God's gonna break the yoke and bring y'all all back. Those are the whole prophets. And then there were a couple of other prophets, one Jeremiah that would stand up and say, no, that's not the truth. Uh, you are gonna be punished in, in, uh, in Babylon, but know this, God's got a plan. You can't see the plan for all you're hoping. Just trust that God's got a plan. And you know what they said to Jeremiah? We're gonna kill you. On multiple occasions, they said, we're gonna kill you. You are not prophesying right. That's not what we want to hear. Jeremiah just said, hey, you take it up with God. If he says, kill me, kill me, and they would back down. Well, gang, we've had a wonderful ride over the last 50 or 60 years in church life. And I'm not saying, I'm gonna show you here in a second, because the great thing about Jeremiah 28 is Jeremiah 29 comes right after it, and I'll help you to see that in a second. But gang, here's the deal. We think that it's about comfort. I want you to know it's, I'm, just, I'm gonna be a little Jeremiah here. Comfort is not gonna be something we find in the next little while. And I got great news for you. That's okay. That's okay. Because what God is doing, again, the same God of comfort is the same one who can bring discomfort so that you'll seek the God of comfort. The God who is the, the bread of life can also supply the hunger so that you'll actually seek the bread of life. Gang, here's the deal. Um, I'll give you this example. Uh, I, I had my grandson, and you're probably gonna get a lot of, I've got my first grandson, three months old, so you can be a lot of grandson stories that you're gonna go, oh God, there he goes again. And I've done that with preachers to go, oh, not a grandson story. So I'm, I'm one, I, am, I am that guy. Bottom line was I was holding my three-month-old grandson. He's a little testy because he hadn't had his bottle. I got him his bottle, and I gave him a little man talk and just said, hey, buddy, you've been sitting around now for three months. And uh, I mean, he's three months old. It's like, you, you got to grow up. And uh, can't be so impatient. Uh, you know, I started just, I just messing with him. I just, he, he was just looking at me with his little eyes while he's, while he's taking his bottle and I'm telling him, you know, you gotta, you're gonna have to be strong. Here's the deal, even while I'm looking at this little baby, here's what I know. Him sitting around while mama brings him a bottle, uh, that's good for right now, and while you're a baby, you need that kind of comfort, but you don't wanna be 35 with mama bringing you a bottle. You got to grow up, and uh, what'll happen? You don't need mama doing your homework for you. You don't need mama out there yelling at the coach while the coach is yelling at you. Moms, let the coach yell. It takes a man to bring a man out of a young boy. You, let, I mean, you, you gotta get out under some, ad, you know, some, some tough times. The picture I have, I got all these robins in my backyard, and I lo- I'm, I'm kind of a bird guy. I just love them, I don't know what it is, I just love them. And, uh, but here's the deal, there's a time when a mama bird hatches these little, these little birds, and they've got the, the, the nest all fluffed up, and they, they're fluffed up because they're stealing all of my patio furniture stuffing. They've torn up my things, and they've got these squirrels and these birds have torn up my, my patio. But they've got these birds and these, while they're little bitty babies, mom's going and getting the worms and doing all this, and a baby and these little babies. Comfort, comfort, comfort. But there's a time when mama bird knows I gotta take the comfort away because what these little babies are meant to be, they can't be while I'm babying them. And so he starts to pull the comfort out. 
And then the day comes when mama bird says, baby bird, listen, you're gonna be confused. You're gonna think I've turned on you. You're gonna get scared and you're gonna panic and you're gonna wonder, how could God be doing this to me? This can't be happening. And that little bird's gonna tumble down going, oh my God, praying in tongues all the way down. (laughs) Until out of panic, out of panic, that bird's doing this and all of a sudden it starts to go and just before it hits the ground, whack, 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 whack. And you know what that baby bird's gonna say? This is fantastic. This is what I was made to do. I was built for this. God has built this into everything on the planet, including your your children and including his church and including Israel. And in the short run, it feels like, what is going on, God? How could you be doing it? We're not comfortable anymore. I mean, I had to leave my last church. They shut down, quit making lattes. I just, oh, the devil is just attacking me. <laughs> We've spent 50 years building believers around thinking the top rung of success is when you're comfortable. God knows there's something in you you want to be, but you won't do it. There's things you won't do unless you're forced to do them. Right? Tom Landry said, my job is to make grown men do what they don't want to do so they can be what they really want to be. I think he got that from God. Ladies and gentlemen, what's happening right now, you might be confused. What's going on with our media? What's going on with the politics? What's going on with this? I thought this and I thought that, and didn't the prophet say, everybody calm down. God's got a plan. You're gonna be all right. And you have everything you need for life and godliness. And it might feel like the comfort got yanked out but it's because God's taking you somewhere you really wanna go, you just won't go there unless he forces it. God's in charge. Draw close to God. Point number one, Israel and the church are comfort motivated. Hananiah represents that. Point number two, God's got a far bigger plan. What was my first point? I'm sorry. Put on another mindset. I'm sorry, I should've told you that. That would've made a lot more sense, wouldn't it? So Israel is out there, they've been taken to Babylon, and if you'll read again, Jeremiah 25, 26, you see this. Israel has this mindset, we're going home in two years. They've got prophets to tell them, and they they start to, to coagulate, if you will, outside the city of Babylon because they think, we've got to stay separate. We've got to build a compound. We're Christians, you know. We've got to give up build a compound and get, uh, you know, sun, you know, solar screens and uh, just live with ourselves and protect our children from public school. That's how Israel was thinking. I know I'm, I'm going to get emails. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been saved too long. Uh, okay. Jeremiah 29, four though. God begins to speak to Jeremiah. Now that we just read 28, we're going to 29. God's continuing to speak. Let's see what he says. This is what the Lord of heaven's, this is um, what the Lord of heaven's army, the God of Israel, says to the captives he has exiled uh, to Babylon from Jerusalem. Now, this is going to sound strange, but he says this build homes, plan to stay, plant gardens, eat the food they produce, marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that they may have, that you may have many grandchildren. I can say amen to that. Multiply. Do not dwindle away and work 
for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray, for, uh, pray the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. What? Babylon, bad. Israel, good. People of God, you know, monotheistic, polytheistic. We need to stay away from Babylon. That's terrible. God's saying, grow up. Have some confidence in yourselves and in God. Get in the middle of that city. Buy land. Build houses. You're going to be there a while. Live. What? Well, there's going to be flaming socialist Democrats everywhere. Oh, my God, move. No, you know what he's saying? Calm down. If there's, you know, a hundred antichrist worshipers in the Senate, Satan himself in the White House, and all kinds of demons in the, the House of Representatives, who cares? You, the church, get in the middle and stop don't be so paranoid and scared. Get in the middle of it and live. Let me keep going. This is going to mess with you. Verse, uh, verse 8, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says, the God of Israel. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they're, they're telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon 70 years. Now, that's bad news. Quink, 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 quink. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I've promised, and I will bring you home again. Now, look at this, though. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Their plans for good are to prosper you. The word shalom, peace and prosperity, and not for disaster. And when I bring you home, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity, restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I have sent you and bring you home again to that land. It could look like God is saying, I want you to move into Babylon. I want you to live. I want you to buy property. And it could look, when you read this, as if he was saying, and in 70 years... Because I know the plans I have for you, I'm going to prosper you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, move into Babylon. Engage in the America that's here right now. Don't be a bunch of cowards. Don't be caught up in a bunch of fear. Go there now because in Babylon, I am going to prosper you there. I'm going to prosper you there. I'm going to speak peace over you there now. And in the future... I'm going to return you to Israel, but in the here and the now, look, you don't know the plan. Uh, you think the plan is for me to break the, the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar and bring everybody home in two years, because that, that's what you're hoping, because you're scared and you're, you're thinking comfort. I got a bigger plan. It's a bigger plan. Yes. Get in the middle of what you're afraid of and act like you're confident and live. Take over the place. How do I know this? Because you read through and look at the life of Daniel. It looks like Nebuchadnezzar took over Daniel. When you get to the end of the book, you go, it looks like Daniel took over Nebuchadnezzar. Because yeah. right. every time he turns around, this captive teenage boy that never got to marry, got taken from his home, God said, in that land, I will prosper you. Yeah. And every time Nebuchadnezzar, with all of his gods, got in trouble, who did he come and find? He came and found the people of God who had a little Clint Eastwood in their eyes saying, we know what we're doing. We're confident. 
Hebrews chapter 12 says this. I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken. And gang, we're standing right in the middle of it. We're not used to it. We're not used to being kicked out of the nest. And we're going, oh my God, God, what are you doing? This cannot be God. What we hoped for didn't happen. Okay, God's got a bigger plan than what you're hoping for. Get in the middle of this mess. You're the thing that can't be shaken. You know who was a testimony to Nebuchadnezzar? Daniel never met a guy like this. Every time he turned around, it says this. And he heaped treasure on Daniel because every time he got in a mess, Daniel bailed him out. That's representative of the church. Right. What if we don't get the right president? We, look, I'm, sorry, I'm gonna stay away. There hadn't been a human savior on that throne all my life. And there certainly hadn't been one in the last little while. We're not looking for a political savior. God's looking to his church to say, hey, it's big boy and big girl time. Comfort, wonderful thing. Now it's time for you to fly. And it's gonna feel a little like, oh my God, what on earth has gone on? Everything's going south. It's okay, it feels like that right now. You're gonna find your wings. Don't you back out. You go get in the middle of that city. Let me finish up, see if I got, did I ever get everything red? I can't do it. Yes, yes, yes. Number one, I, God Almighty, know that I have a plan here. Know me, no matter how confusing it feels right now, and we got everybody guessing and all the prophets guessing at, at hopes. Praise God, no, no, no condemnation to anybody trying to figure this out. We're all trying to figure out. Sometimes it's just confusing for a little while. Here's our anchor. God has a plan, and it's a better one than we had. It was better than the one we're praying for. If God isn't answering the one you're praying for, it's because what he wants to answer with is better and it fits his plan better. He's not looking for a church to be comfortable. He's looking for a church who will be a testimony to the Nebuchadnezzars and to Babylon. Go move in with them. In essence, he's saying this. Don't hate Babylon and love me and don't love Babylon and hate me. Get in the middle of Babylon, love Babylon and love me so that they can see your good works and come to find Christ. If you will, that's, that's the word of the Lord to the moment we're standing in. I got to move very quickly. Uh, oh, boy, there, I just left a lot of cut notes on the cutting room floor. Last, last point, and I'll, I'll get us to the, to the airport. Make up your mind. Make up your mind, okay? We're going to get into some instruction now. How do we get through this next week and all this, the political craziness and the media craziness? Make up your mind. Daniel 1, 8 through 9 says, at the very beginning when this football was kicked, Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. Uh, so he sought permission. You go on and on. And again, you're going to see some of that in some of your, your 37 days. No time to get into the middle of that. But I just, I got to tell you, make up your mind that you're going to trust God. Make up your mind. And here, I'm going to give you a little help. Here's how you can begin to stir your own faith. Is everybody still with me? Yeah. Don't have to love me today. You can go home. as all right. But I'm telling you, if you'll ponder this this week and say, Lord, would you speak to me? Whatever happens in the next three days, whatever happens, who knows? Doesn't change what we're supposed to be doing. Where our anchor holds, no other anchor will. Number one, make up your mind. Number one thought is here. The spirit of Babylon is not authorized power. It's an image of power. This is gonna help you anchor down. It's an image of power. Daniel, the three Hebrew children, uh, came, that's my sign. Thank you. The three Hebrew children were brought before an image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up and said, y'all need to worship, y'all need to worship this, this God. And these three guys said, not gonna happen. Uh, and they said, it's gonna cost you your life. And he said, our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, 
And I wish I could be Texas and use my prison words and I could make this point. But they told Nebuchadnezzar where to put that. I mean, they just did. They said, look, we've made up our mind. We're not bound. Here's what they knew. Here's what Daniel knew. In the middle of what looked like the other side's winning, the devil's winning, Nebuchadnezzar's winning, Babylon's winning, when it looked like we the church aren't winning, how could God let this happen? Let me ask you, do you think on Friday night when Jesus was crucified, everybody was saying that? How could this happen? This cannot be the plan of God. This is great. How could we just lost Jesus? Saturday was awful. They didn't understand God had a bigger plan. It wasn't about comfort. And it wasn't about their comfort. It was about saving the world. They were brought before an image. Gang, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen the billionaires boy club who own all of these uh, tech companies flex their muscles. We're gonna control what gets spoken on here. We're gonna control not just this president. Gang, this is just shots across the bow telling you and me, we're next. We, we are, it is going to come against the church of Jesus Christ. This won't have anything to do with politics. It'll be colored in hate speech and all kinds of other branding and other identities will be put on us. But it's to come against us. What, what if Facebook goes off? We live thousands of years without it. You won't know that Sally's eating a tuna salad for lunch. My God. Definitely the last, the end, these are the end times. Instagram and Twitter. Man, I've been so ready. I never did want to say the word tweet because that sounds so sissyish. Tweet, you're tweeting? Who says that? Let it, let it burn. But these billionaire boys flexing their muscle as if they have power. Gang, every time you see that, if you don't laugh, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna pray God walk through a wall and scare you like Jesus did with the disciples. I'm serious. Every time you see a politician with a matchy-matchy mask matching their whole outfit, trying to contrive sincerity and you know in your gut, you are so fake. I'm sorry to be that too real for you. Uh, but when you see the powerlessness of people speaking tweetable things that they don't even believe, it's just more stuff thinking they're controlling us and they think they are, whoever they are. Listen, it's the spirit of Babylon. You laugh. I mean, you laugh. Don't get, listen, I've been trying to work all the anger out of me. It's been bad. It's taking, I'm, I'm working on it. But I've just, instead of getting angry, I just laugh and go, are you kidding me? I got into this song, and I wish I could play it. Uh, some of you 40 and older will remember this. Remember Elton John's song, uh, Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. I can't get up that high. Uh, somewhere over the last months, I heard uh, Sarah Bareilles in Atlanta, live in Atlanta, if you want to see it. Man, can she sing? She's a potty mouth. She's a, she's, she's a pagan, but she can sing that song. And uh, it's called Yellow Brick Road. And um, here, here's the thought of the song. The thought of the song is Elton and his co-writer uh, thought, you know what, when we get to success, it'll be what the Wizard of Oz, it'll be like at the end of the Yellow Brick Road. It'll be everything we thought of. And they get all this success and realize, I'd rather go back to my hometown. This, this didn't pay off. 
And so the picture is this. They go down the yellow brick road, they come up to this image of authority, only to find a burned out carnival worker who had set up this great image who could promise Dorothy can find her way home and the tin man can get a new heart and the lion can get courage, had all these things that it, everyone thought that's where the, the authority and the power is. But when they got back behind the curtain, they realized it's just a 155 pound burned out carnival actor who was speaking through a speaker acting as though he had power. That's your billionaire's boys club. That's your Congress. I don't mean that there's not an authority that Romans 13 doesn't tell us where to pray for. But gang, I don't know what's gonna happen. It's not, I don't think it's gonna be pretty. I, I, I'm with Jeremiah. This isn't gonna turn around with the way we hope so that we can be comfortable. God's got a bigger plan. Here's what you need to know. You make up your mind right now, no matter what happens, God, I'm with you. And if I have to suffer so that Babylonians can get saved, then let it be. Those three Hebrew children right there, those three Hebrew children, they didn't get saved from the fire. No, they had to go in. They thought they were gonna die. Nebuchadnezzar saw it and he said, didn't we put three guys in there? And yet there's a fourth and he looks like the son of man. And when they came out, he said, I will worship your God. And multiple times he did things to show his power. And here's the deal. It's just an image of power. It's yellow brick road. It's, it's the wizard of Oz. There's nothing there. The Bible says when we see Satan, we're gonna go, that's who we were scared of? Are you kidding me? Him? Because he has no more authority than the authority you give him by fearing. That's the only authority he has. We're getting down to it, ladies and gentlemen. We're in a transition on this planet. Babylon is on the move, but here you, you gotta know this. It's power backing. It is, a, it is a firecracker in comparison to the atomic warheads that back us. We may have to endure something, but here's the thing. When you go through the fire, you can win a Babylonian. When you go through. I, I've said it before. I believe Nebuchadnezzar's, you're gonna see him in heaven. I believe that. His dying words are, God humbled him several times, but his dying words are, I get it. God gave me this kingdom. I didn't do all this. He humbled himself and he died. You, I think we're gonna be shocked at who we'll see in heaven. But I think we'll see him because Daniel and those guys prospered. Daniel about owned the place before he was done. Because in the middle of controversy, God can still prosper his people. Gang, be encouraged. Be encouraged. I probably left something out. Let me run these real quick. I'm sorry, let me, I just, a couple of instructions. I do want you to, okay, here's the thing. Parting thoughts. Trust God to use you. I'll just leave it at that. Stand strong and be confident. Number two, don't be a victim. Don't need a bunch of crying Christians crying about things. Get your heart off of a political savior. You don't need it. Doesn't matter who's in that White House. As long as Jesus is on the throne, we're gonna be fine. Let's pay attention to what we're called to do here. God is separating wheat from tares. Right now, in Israel, what was happening in Israel was there was a separating. True prophets, the, the, the godly, those that'll stick with God, there was a purging going on. Gang, the church of Jesus Christ, the scripture says in the final days, Jesus is gonna separate the wheat and the tares, a lot that looks the same. Pressure does that. 
Just understand, if you're not in, you need to be in. If you're watching me by, by uh, internet right now, if you haven't made Jesus your Lord, you need to, without reservation, no 50-50, no 60-40 deals, don't even pray the prayer. But if you're ready to say, you, Jesus, are my Lord, I'm, baptize me, take me all in. You pray the prayer because you and those of us in this room and those who say it and live that way, that will be what's left under this kind of pressure. Half commitments aren't gonna make it under the pressure that's coming. Lastly, don't give in to, to fear. God hadn't given us a spirit of fear. All your internet watching and all the stuff that we're doing and, oh, and all that. Listen, I just wanna encourage you, you stop that. You stop that. God hadn't given us a spirit of fear and we're not gonna be controlled by it. And I don't really, I mean, I care what happens in this nation. I am a patriot, but I understand there's a bigger plan. And even though I can't see it clearly right now, I know God has it. He knows the plan. I know the plan I have for you. And it's a good plan, all right? Be encouraged, let's bow our heads. You've never made Jesus Christ your savior. I wanna pray for you right now, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, I cannot lawyer-esque convince somebody that their soul is broken and that they are sinners and that they need you, but by your Holy Spirit right now, you can, you can cut to the heart of any man or woman by your mercies and by your strength at the same time, by the presence of your holiness. Your holiness threatens us and we recognize we are not holy. Let your holy presence begin to come into lives so that they can recognize I need a savior. Lord, I pray that over every human right now. Lord, I pray it over every human. There's people that are gonna watch this on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday in their cars, every person. While you're listening to me right now, the Holy Spirit is in your car with you. You, sir, you, ma'am, you, young man, young woman, in the name of Jesus, capture that heart. All you have to do is say, God, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you and I'm responsible. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus is the son of God that he came and died for me so that I could be saved. And I believe God that you raised him from the dead. I believe Jesus is the one and only exclusive way. Thank God there's a way. And I receive Jesus Christ as my savior and I'm all in. I am all in. Do anything you want with my life. I'm excited about these times. You pray that prayer and you will be saved. You will be saved. If you're praying that right now, there's a text line underneath there that says, I said yes, if you'll text that to us so we can walk with you. I would encourage you as well. We're gonna be baptized, folks, next week. Be here, be here. Come off the couch, come be here with us, all right? Second service, 11 a.m., be baptized, all right? Praise God. Fathers, we conclude, and gang, could y'all stand to your feet here? If you gave your life to Christ in this room, there's a card in the seat in front of you that says, I said yes. And I encourage you to, I encourage you to use that card. Uh, Pastor Dale, I know you, you might have a couple. If you need personal prayer, we haven't prayed for folks in a year because of all the distancing and that kind of thing, and we just, we feel strong. We need to at least give you the opportunity. If you're comfortable to have somebody be close to you, obviously, if you're not comfortable, we'll throw a prayer at you and it'll, it'll still land. But if you need somebody to lay hands on you or pray with you uh, for anything we talked about today or just where you're at in life, Pastor Dale, if you would come and, and any of your team that, that can come. Gang, I wanna invite you as we conclude this service, 
Come up here and let these folks pray with you about anything under the sun, your finances, your children, your life, confusion, the nuttiness going on in this nation right now. I hope today's message is another way of just helping you anchor down. We got this. We were built for this moment. God knew we would be born here. We are the one. We are the Daniels. We are them. So let's get, again, get those Clint Eastwood eyes. Can't be shaken. We got this. All right? So as I conclude today, if you need prayer, you make your way this way, and everybody else, uh, you guys, y'all have a great, great week. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless this great congregation. I speak the blessing in favor of God. I speak strength. I speak not, I do speak hope, but I speak faith. Thank you that faith, it finds its wings into rests. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God. Strength, Lord, on this church. Strength, God, in the name of Jesus. Bless this week. Bless our thinking. And Lord, I pray for our country. Lord, I pray over President Donald Trump during this transition, Lord, that you would be with him and that you would save his soul and touch him. And Lord, thank you for all the great things that God accomplished. I'm very appreciative of those things. And Father, if, if, if Joe Biden is to be the next president, I pray your favor and your grace upon him that you would speak to him. Lord, your word says, I control the heart of the king like, like I turn the river in my hand. I've got the heart of the king in my hand. Lord, I trust you. I trust you, and I ask you to do a work there. Father, above everything, I ask for revival by your definition in your church and that we would find our wings. I pray that in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen, amen. Got some good football on today, guys. All right. Enjoy your football. Y'all have a great, great day. If you need personal prayer, make your way up here. These folks will be uh, glad to pray with you. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Keep up with everything going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. Or you can visit us online at www.thecrossing.cc.